Are you ready to reach the mountaintop of your life? Do you want to turn your dreams into your reality? If that sounds like you, then welcome to the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another interview in the interview series about entrepreneurs first $100,000 year. Today I'm talking with Jim Britt. Very excited to talk with you, Jim. We've had a great time talking over the last couple of minutes uh, before we started. Now we're rolling, rolling the cameras, recording. And uh, to start out, I'd just like to hear, tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about what you do. Well, uh, basically, I help uh, I help entrepreneurs or or anybody really to stop procrastinating, eliminate fear, uh, bad habits, increase productivity, and and increase revenues, and get it done in, in less amount of time. Mm. It's interesting you said you know to to reduce fears and to eliminate bad habits. How many of those bad habits that people have out that entrepreneurs have outside of fear? are driven by fear, are connected to fear, in your opinion? Well, I think a lot of them are, but you know, what I discovered probably 35, 37 years ago or so, uh, I was contemplating why people uh, say they're going to do certain things, whether it's make more money or build a business or double their income or lose weight or have a better relationship or whatever. They set out to do these things and, and then they fall short or they retreat. Um, just like a, a New Year's resolution. Of course, the new year coming up, everybody will have a resolution. Well, how many follow through with that? Yeah. Um, so I started looking at the, the habit patterns that we have as human beings, both positive and negative. Uh, and the positive ones would be very difficult to live our lives without, you know, like walking and talking or maybe driving a vehicle is a good example. You don't have to relearn to drive it every time you get in it. So we've got probably hundreds of habit patterns that we do just automatically uh, without question. Uh, but on the negative side, what really hit me is that we have these, these negative habit patterns that have become second nature and we don't know we're doing them. We don't know we have them. So mm -hmm. uh, we, we continue to do things and we're really trying to break free of what, or, or to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Like a fellow uh, a while back, he said, I haven't been able to pay my bills on time or fully each month for 25 years. And <laughs> I went, wow. I said, what are you going to do about that? And he said, well, I'm thinking about cutting my overhead. And I said, well, there's nothing wrong with cutting your overhead. But I said, in probably two, maybe three months at the outside, I said, you'll be back not being able to pay your bills on time. And he said, well, how do you know that? And I said, because you're addicted to it. You're programmed to do that. And I said, the more you try and fail... Uh, the stronger that program becomes. So yeah. basically what I do is help people to discover what that, I call it an addictive cycle, what that cycle is that they're caught in, in any area of their life, which influences other areas of their life as well, uh, and how to break it. So yeah. that's kind of my focus. And um, uh, it's not that hard, uh, especially to discover it, uh, and once you, once a person discover it, discovers it, like if they procrastinate on a habitual basis, then um, now it becomes a conscious act uh, instead of an unconscious. So they know they're doing it now. So I help them discover it and then show them how to break it. 
Yeah, that's so good. In that example with the 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 bills, um, you look at that and you go, well, obviously that this guy's standard is it's okay to be late and to not pay the the bills. Like he's and your your example there, if you're going to be back there, it's of course he's going to be back there. He's he's okay with it. And if you're okay, like why do we pay the bills every single month? Because we have a standard that this is what I do. This is just what I do, and that that's how it is. Um, obviously, he doesn't have that standard. Well, it, it becomes uh, Jake. It becomes a core belief mm. that, it, but it, but it's a an unconscious core belief that they can't pay their bills on time. So, uh, you know, whatever we believe to be true, we'll we'll go to almost any extreme to prove to ourselves and the outside world that what we believe is true, mm. even if it's not true. And I always say that all beliefs are false anyway until you decide it's true, then it's only true for you. Yeah. Uh, so I think what happens is people, they go out there expecting the same thing to happen again, because that's a core belief that they have. Mm. Yeah, that's so powerful. So powerful. Well, Jim, tell us about your first $100,000 year in business. <laughs> well, I got, I got into my first business. Uh, first of all, I dropped out of high school in 10th grade. Um, wow. And uh, my only job up to that point was picking cotton in, uh, in Oklahoma, where I, where I grew up. Wow. And then um, uh, dropped out of high school, took a job in a gas station pumping gas, and later got my dream job working in a factory on an assembly line wiring telephone switchboards and thought I'd be there for the rest of my life. But somebody invited me to a meeting one night uh, to take a look at a business opportunity. And, you know, I reluctantly went, but I, I sat there for about a little over an hour. First person gets up and talks a little bit about the product and things that they're, that they're uh, selling. And the second person gets up and talks about the financial opportunity. And about halfway through his talk, I just, my mind went, I can do this, I can do this and I could get rich doing it. I don't even know what rich was, you know, 22 years old, never had anything other than a, you know, a couple bucks a, an hour job. And um, it cost $4,000 to get started. Uh, I had $9 in the bank and I, <laughs> and that would be gone by Friday. And I didn't know anybody that had more money than I did. We all were kind of in the same boat. No family member had any money, uh, but I committed to do it. And I went to 23 banks and loan companies uh, to borrow my $4,000. And finally, the 23rd one loaned me the money. And over the next 12 months, all the only training I had was the fellow said, your job is talking to people. He said, if you talk a little, you'll learn a little. If you talk a lot, you'll learn a lot. And I said, well, how much is a little? He said, one a day. I said, how much is a lot? And he said, 10 a day. I said, I'll do the 10. So I set out every day for a year and I talked to a minimum of 10 people every single day. And by the end of that year, the only thing I was good at was survival. Uh, I'd lost my home uh, that was in foreclosure. I had a notice on the door saying you gotta be out in five days. Um, I lost both of my vehicles, all of my furniture. I had a wife and a child and I had 15 cents in my pocket mm. and I would not give up. And as a result of that, I believe anyway, somebody showed up at my door and came in and spent two hours with me, somebody from the company, and taught me what I was doing wrong. And my next month, I made $2,600. The next month, I made 6000 which was almost double what I was making in a year. 
Yeah. And um, what what year was this? Just for context. Oh gosh, about nineteen seventy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the, over the next twelve months, uh, not only did I make my first hundred thousand dollar year, but I hit my first million dollar year. Wow. So by the by a year, well, two years into it, the first year I lost everything. The second year, I earned myself a million bucks. So that was that was my first year of a hundred grand. So. <laughs> Well, and, and just just for context, we're talking about you know early seventies. Just just yeah. put into a perspective what a hundred thousand dollars was like at that time, and then even what a million dollars was like at that time. Well, a million dollars you thought you could live your the rest of your life on at that time. Mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of money. I mean, it was a lot of money today. You know, people throw around millions and billions like it's nothing, but yeah, um, million dollar months and years and. Um, but, you know, it gave you a lot of freedom, uh, for sure. And I, I don't, I mean, you could buy a car back then for what, $4,000 for a fairly decent car, maybe a wow. Mercedes for six, you know, so that gives you a little bit of a perspective. It's really interesting for me to see, and I'm very excited about this because I think a lot of times success, uh, if you look at the graph of success, a lot of times it doesn't look like a graph that goes like this, it looks more like a hockey stick. And what you described very much like that, you're, you're working your tail off for an entire year. Then all of a sudden goes up to what he said, 2,600 bucks, which at that time was a lot. Then to 6,000, which was a whole lot at that time. You're talking about buying a Mercedes for it. So put that in perspective, what you're doing per month, but then boom, up to a hundred K that next year, then up to a million that next year. What, what do you attribute this steep slope? How does that that hockey stick happen for you? That I think this is really interesting. Well, you know, um, when I look back on it, I, I actually wonder why I stuck it out. <laughs> you know, because I had a lot of a lot of chances to quit and a lot of reasons to. You know, people ask me today, "How do you handle rejection?" I said, "Well, I did that back in 1970." Uh, I said, I, I talked to 10 people a day for a year. That's 3,650 people that told me no. Mm. Uh, so I don't need to go through that again. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, I, I think part of what drove me was inspiration and maybe desperation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was desperate to do something more than what I would, had been doing working in the factory. I did not like my job. It was mundane. I had to punch a time clock. I hated that. And I just refused to go back. And I think, I think when you make a firm decision, you know, all the goal setting in the world, all of the vision boards in the world, none of that stuff works if you don't have a firm decision to back it up. Yeah. And, and I did make that firm decision. I said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get rich doing it. Whatever rich meant to me at that point, I don't even know, but um, but I made that decision and I would not quit. And so, and I think it was those two things really, ins- I was inspired. I saw other people around me making money. Um, and I, I kept saying, why not me? What am I doing wrong? I just need to talk to more people. Well, I got some pretty good experience talking to people for sure. You, you said that some people in the company came and helped you, um, after you'd been dedicated for that year. And then things started really going up. What shifted and changed? What what kind of things did you learn that all of a sudden started working that weren't working? Because you you were certainly working hard before, right? There's yeah. no no doubt about it. You were working hard. What was that shift? 
Well, when he, when he came uh, to my door, he said, I understand you're working really hard and making no money. And I said, yeah. He said, well, let's talk. So he said, um, he asked me, you know, what I've been doing for the year. And I told him the 3,600 plus people. And he said, well, how do you know if you have a viable prospect? And I said, I guess if they buy from you. He said, no. How do you know if they're even a possibility of buying from you? I said, I don't know. He said, obviously you don't. And he said, um, there's three destinations you have to arrive at to have a viable prospect. He said, number one, do they have a pain or a problem? He said, number two, do they want to solve it? He said, if they got a pain or a problem, they don't want to solve it, you don't have a prospect. Or if they don't have a pain or a problem, you may not have a prospect. And number three, can you solve it? And he said, how, do you, how, how would you know if they have a pain or a problem? I said, well, I guess if they tell you. He said, well, did any of those 3,650 people tell you that? I said, no. I said, he said, you probably spent most of your time telling them that they had a problem. He said, you got to learn to ask questions. Mm. He said, if you live your life this way, not about business, just live your life this way. He said, you'll never have to want for money ever again. Mm. He said, here it is. He said, always be thinking when you meet somebody, I don't care if it's at a party or on an airplane or at a meeting or wherever you are. He said, every time you meet somebody new, always be thinking, what can I do to help this person? Not about selling them something, just what can I do to help this person? And he said, and if you start asking questions, they will tell you what their pains are. And sometimes you can help people. It's not about money. It's not about your business. Sometimes you just help people. And so that's what I've done, you know, all my life since then. What, what you just shared is so valuable and so universally true. You know, when I'm with like exactly what you said there, I'm going over this with my clients so often and I'm talking about, well, it's just, it's just not working. It's just not working. I go, great. Are you talking to people who actually want, do you, are you talking to people who actually want to solve the problem? Like you just talked about, they have to have the problem they have to have the pain point and they also have to want to solve that pain point. And if you don't have those two things, there's nothing you can say. And I would rather spend the time looking for the right people than trying to convince people that what I have is important. Exactly. You know, I'm not in the convincing business. I just, I provide what I provide. And uh, if, if that, if, if they need that, then that, that's great. If they don't, that's okay too. Yeah. Thinking about it in that way, I just think that, you know, we got seven and a half billion people in the world today. So there's no shortage of people. And so why am I going to work so hard to try to convince people? Because that's a that's hard work. Convincing people is very hard work. I think yeah. when people think about salespeople, a good salesperson, they think that they're very um, persuasive and, and they might be. But more importantly, they're very... Um, they're detectives is really what they are. A good salesperson is able to find the right people instead of being someone who's persuasive. Yeah. It's like a, a really good doctor. That's good at diagnosing. Mm. And, and to me, that's what a salesperson should be. You have to diagnose what the problem is. I mean, some, some it's easy to, to see, you know, I, I just bought a new vehicle recently. I walk into the infinity dealer and I knew what I wanted, you know, so it was, it was an easy sale. because Yeah. Like I made an easy sale. commission that day. <laughs> yeah. But you, you know, it's, 
it's asking questions and listening and uh, getting to know people. And when you ask questions, people love to talk and they'll share actually sometimes more than you want them to share. <laughs> but yeah. all you have to do is ask questions and they, they, they'll open up and, uh, and let you know what their pains are. And if you can help solve it, you help solve it. So what, what are some of the biggest things that you learned in that first year of reaching that 100K level? You know, there's, there's uh, about a half a dozen things that, that, that you almost have to apply if you're going to accomplish anything in your life, more, more than just what somebody tells you you can have by working a job someplace, you know, which is fine too, if that's, if that's what you want. Um, you know, I, I mentioned the first one, which was making a decision. Uh, that's, that's the foundation for everything. And then you got to act on that decision. And so many people spend so much time getting ready to get going. I mean, they're always, they're always, you know, waiting for the next this or that, or waiting for, you know, used to when people printed business cards, I'm waiting to get my business cards printed, or I'm waiting on this or that, you know, for the time is just right. You know, there, there's, there's never a right time. <laughs> it's, it's uh, the right time is now. So you've got to, you've got to execute on whatever level you can. I'm not saying you don't plan, you don't, uh, you don't, you know, figure out some of the details, but you can execute on, on some level at that point and could start moving forward. And, you know, when you start executing in today's world, especially you have to be bold. You've got to, you've got to put yourself in the spotlight because nobody's going to put yourself, put the spotlight on you. You've got to step into it and you got to be bold and you got to act bold. You got to do things that, that most people aren't willing to do. Uh, I mean, how many people would go talk to that many people in a year and, and, and still keep moving forward uh, without retreat? Um, so you got to be bold. And the, and the next thing is you've got to be willing to endure some pain because any new life level or business level or income level requires a different you. And you've got to change. Uh, you've got to make changes. And it's painful. I mean, was it painful for me to go out and talk to those people? Yeah, it was. I remember when I, I joined up with Jim Rohn as a business partner and we started the seminar production company, primarily at the time uh, in, uh, promoting Jim Rohn. Mm. And later it, it phased into me speaking and doing a lot of things myself. But, um, uh, but I remember the, the pain and the discomfort for me getting up in front of a group. I remember I introduced Jim Rohn one time I literally couldn't, we had 1,000, 1,500 people in the audience. I could not see the people. I was so terrified. Mm. Uh, but yet I pushed forward. And I remember my first 20-minute talk. It was painful and probably painful for my audience too. I don't know, but definitely it was painful for me. But I had to make a choice after that. I mean, it scared the heck out of me. And, and I said to myself, I've got, a, I've got one of two choices, either don't do it anymore, which occurred to me, or do it often until I got better at it. Mm. And back then I had uh, 300 salespeople that, that went out and sold tickets to seminars here, mostly mm. in California. And, um, and I thought, well, how will, I, how will I do more of it? That's what I decided to do. So I went back and, and let all of, all of the salespeople know over a period of the next 30 days that I would do uh, any presentation for them up to for 50 people or more up to three a day, which I averaged over the next five years. So wow. how do you get good at something? You just do it. Mm. You know? 
So was it painful? Yeah, it was painful. I remember the day and the location in Park City, Idaho, where all of the pain and fear went away. And mm. it's never come back. And what was that moment? Well, I, you know, I don't know what triggered the moment, but I, I think I totally understood why people do what they do and why they stay stuck and, and what, what controls their negativity and their underlying issues in their life, personally as well as business-wise. I totally understood that with 100% confidence. And that had just come to me the week before. So I walk into this room in Park City, about 400 people, and I stood in the back of the room and all I could think of was let me at them. Where before I'm pacing the floor thinking, what am I gonna say first? Yeah. And, and I've, I've never planned what I'm gonna say first since that time. Uh, mm. I just get up and go. So- That's amazing. It's, it's that, that level of confidence, but you know, you've got to, I guess you've got to go through some of the pain of changing before you get there. Yeah, it, I, I think that in an effort to, um, I don't know, just, just in an effort of, of teaching, um, in an effort of, I don't know the words that I'm looking for, but I'll just say exactly what I'm thinking. There's, there's, there's this movement right now that I'm, I am a big proponent of mindset and, and attraction and goals and those kind of things. But within that world, there is this misnomer that everything's supposed to be easy. And it started to create this feeling. I hear people saying like, well, it, it, it's hard. So maybe it's not right. And I go, no, who, who told you that? Who told you that is not going to be hard? Who told you there's not going to be pain? People who are successful have tenacity, you know? And, and when I started my speaking business in the, in the youth market, you know, it, not, not, not exactly the same thing, but I said, okay, you know what? So I turned down two jobs right out of college. I wanted to, to start speaking in the youth market. I'd never been hired. I'd never been paid to speak once in my life. And I was offered two jobs and I turned down both of them. One of them was through a, through an internship that I had done before. And another one was my father-in-law wanted to hire me in his financial advising company and be trained up and working there. So I tell my father-in-law, no, I don't want to work for you. I'm going to turn down this job and I'm going to take care of your daughter doing this thing that I've never done before. That just seems kind of out there. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of drive. I had a lot of motivation <laughs> behind me. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to call a hundred schools a day. I'm going to call a hundred schools a day, literally on the phone, calling a hundred schools a day. And it was painful and it was hard and it wasn't an easy thing at all. And, and one of the hardest things was just staying and making those calls when other people were doing fun things. When I, I actually hadn't finished college yet. I was still in my last semester and I'm making those calls while my, you know, I have friends who are, Hey, come, come hang out with us and do this and come do that and whatever. And like, no, I'm gonna, like, I'll come after I make these calls and it paid off, but it wasn't easy. It was painful. And the tenacity is what, what paid off. Well, you know, uh, I was asked, I was on a panel uh, a while back and uh, I was asked by the audience uh, or someone in the audience, what, what's the number one thing that you've learned over the years that's been the most beneficial to you. And without any hesitation, I said the ability to let go. Mm. And, you know, because when you're, when you're going through change in your life, 
you're going to be confronted with things, you know, from your subconscious mind is going to throw things up. I, I kind of look at your, your, your subconscious kind of like Google, you know, if you Googled making money, I did that the other day, just uh, out of curiosity, I got 3.5 billion files in 0.25 seconds. Mm. You can't read all of those. It'd take multiple lifetimes, but I thought, wow, that's a lot of information. But when your brain works the same way, when you Google making money or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, uh, it up pops your, your top 10, your first page uh, on your Google. And if you've tried and failed, like the guy that's, that hadn't paid his bills on time for 25 years, well, his first three or four pages is all about he hadn't been able to pay his bills on time. So that's, that's what you listen to. But the problem is you don't know you're listening to it until you become aware of it uh, and become more self-observant of, of, of the actions you're taking and what they're based upon. So that ability to let go, and people say it's difficult, but you know what? You know, phone's probably not a good example, but I say, you know, you got, I've got this phone in my hand. It doesn't mean that I have to keep it in my hand for the rest of my life. Uh, whatever it is, you know, I can lay it down. And to me, letting go is that easy. And I don't even want people to believe me. I said, just try it and see what happens. When you disconnect from the things that is beyond your control, you're in complete control. Mm. When you need control, you're out of control. When you need approval, you get none. When you let go of a, a need for approval, you get approval. So what two great things, I think, that every a speaker that's in front of an audience should know is let go of the need to control that audience, let go of the need for approval from that audience and be confident in what you have to offer. So yes. that has been more beneficial to me than probably anything I've ever done. I mean, I, it's rare. I let anything that's beyond my control influence me in any way for more than minutes sometimes mm -hmm. Uh, we're used to, you know, you carry things around. You know, I remember when I lost this money and did that, and if it hadn't happened, this wouldn't have happened. You know, forget all that stuff. It's not happening to you now unless you let it. When something comes up and you 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 said don't let it bother you for more than more than a few minutes, if you notice something is bothering you, what what do you do? How do you how do you get it out? Is there is there some kind of practice that you do, or is this just from so much repetition? How, how do you actually do that? Well, part of it's repetition of, of doing it over and over. But when I initially started it, when I started working with other people, I'd get them to, to discover their block that they had. And, and I'd say, I wanted you to get, get in touch with how you feel about that, whether it was an abuse situation or losing money or a lack of success or whatever it is, get in touch with that. And, and let me ask you, does feeling that help you in any way to accomplish what you want to accomplish? And the answer is always no. Well, do you like feeling that? The answer is no. I said, well, then do you want to let it go? Do you want to get rid of that? And the answer is always yes. And my next question is, what some people hesitate on, is are you willing to let it go? And I said, before you answer that, my next question is not going to allow you to use that as an excuse anymore. So are you really willing to let it go? And if the answer is yes, my next question is when? Mm. When? Are you going to continue to bring this into your life? It's like the, the woman in one of my workshops one time, she said, 
uh, I, we were talking about success and uh, financial and business success. And she said, well, I can never be successful because of my father. And I said, oh, what about your father? She said, well, he verbally abused me uh, most of my childhood up into, uh, until I was an adult and left home. And I said, so what did he tell you? Well, he told me I'd never measure up to my siblings. I'd never be amount to anything. That was never going to be successful. I said, so he abused you ver verbally. She said, yes. And I said, well, that's the reason you can't be successful. Yes. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, who's abusing you now? No, I said, first I asked, where's your father now? She said, well, he died 10 years ago. And I said, well, who's abusing you now? And she said, I don't understand the question. And I said, well, you think about it for a while. So about 20 minutes, I came back and I said, well, did you come up with the answer? No. I did this four times. And finally, she goes, you mean I'm abusing me? I'm going, what do you think? She said, I don't know. Next time back, she went, oh, my God, I'm keeping him alive. I'm keeping his abuse alive. She said, I'm the one abusing me based on what he did. I'm carrying this stuff around. And that's what we do. We carry this stuff around and we keep continued, continually abuse ourselves based on past experiences that literally mean nothing. I mean, some do. I mean, some past experiences are beneficial. You learn from it. But other things that, that happened, I mean, I did a television infomercial a while back and spent three quarters of a million dollars on it. And it was one of the best looking shows. I got accolades from all the top producers. The thing didn't work. It cost me three quarters of a million dollars. Well, did I hang on to that? No, I'm going, okay, well, I got some good footage out of it at least, you know, so I, I move on. You, yeah. you can't, you can't redo something, you know? So well, that right there, that, that's, that's peace. You have, have peace no matter what, if nothing's going to, going to control you, then there's nothing that can control you. How well, beautiful you, is that? Jake, if you really look at and really become, uh, I, I call it self-observation, become observant of yourself. And how much of your time do you spend each day? The average person out there, how much time do they spend trying to control things that's beyond their control? Mm. Now, it's yeah. like my brother-in-law one time, he called me from his, from his car in LA uh, and he was caught in the traffic and he was ranting and raving about the traffic. And he said, I got to be here at this appointment. It's so important. And the traffic is holding me up. It's stop and go. I'm not going to make it. And I said, well, Patrick, I said, where are you right now? And he said, I'm in the traffic. I, got, I said, well, it sounds like you're part of the problem. And he, he went silent for a moment. He said, God, I never thought about it that way. And I said, just relax. You can't do anything about it. You're in it. And if there's something you can do, do it. But, but you know, you're in it. Let go, man. And he said it wasn't minutes until traffic sped up. And I don't think that controlled it. But still, you know, uh, we burn up our energy. And I, I think we arrive here on the planet Earth with a certain amount of energy to burn up. And once you burn it up, your trip's canceled. So I want to uh, have a choice as to how I burn mine up. We can't manage time. Time is something that is unmanageable. It is what it is. There's zero management of time. But what we can manage is energy and activities. We can manage our activities. We can manage our energy. And people say all the time, oh, I'm so tired all the time. I'm so tired all the time. 
I don't think they're tired because of the, the amount of work that they're doing. I don't think they're tired because they require more rest. I don't think it's any of that. I think what it really is, is they're spending, they're spending their energy in things that take away energy instead of give them more energy. Yep. I call it energy drainers and energy gainers. That's that stuff. Trying to control things beyond your control is a, a definite energy drainer and it can just mentally exhaust you. Um, and again, I t- just tell people, be observant and watch yourself and try it and see what happens. Don't believe me. Just try it and see what happens when you find yourself trying to control something that's beyond your control, like worry. You know, if you can do something about it, do it. If you can't, let it go and have the courage to leave it at that. It's brilliant. Um, so if there's someone listening right now who's already in business, uh, they're already in business, but they haven't got to that level yet, that 100K year, maybe they're, they're stuck at 60, 70, 80, something like that. They haven't quite got there. What's your advice for them to, to crack over that, that goal that they have? Well, it, it, it could depend on various things. I mean, does the business they have uh, that they're involved with, does it have the potential to go past that? Does it have the potential to make a million a year or to achieve the objective that you want? Um, but sometimes it's, uh, you know, hiring a mentor that's, that's, that's done what you want to do, like the fellow that spent two hours with me that changed my whole life that's been worth I, I don't even know what it's been worth to me, it just in, in time and effort and money and all of those things. Um, so I'd say find somebody that's done it, that, that can help to move you forward and give you ideas about, you know, what you could do to, to be more efficient, more effective and save more time. Um, and, and sometimes it's oftentimes actually, when I'm working with entrepreneurs, it's uh, it's a it's a mindset. They get to the point where they just don't believe they can go past where they are, mm-hmm. and they believe it's going to be a struggle. So you've got to change that mindset if you want to make. Uh, well, I give you an example. I interviewed a young man one day, and and I said, um, "How much? What's the most you've ever earned in a single year?" And it's been a few years back. He said twenty thousand dollars, and I said, uh, "What do you want to earn your first year?" He said, $100,000. I was hiring him as a salesperson. And I said, what do you want to earn your second year? He said, at least $150,000. So my question is, what do you want to change? What, what do you plan to change about yourself to go from the $20,000 a year earner to $100,000 to $150,000? And his answer was, I don't know. And most people don't know, but there is something that has to change. It's got to change up here. It's, it's that mindset uh, but it's also the confidence in yourself and what you're doing and, and getting somebody to help you because, man, that, that, can, that can shorten time you know, so much. I mean, it's, I, I don't know where I would be right now if it hadn't been for that, the fellow that stopped, stopped by for two hours. I, I have no idea. And you know what? I don't even remember his name. Mm. Uh, don't remember it. it. It was like a a savior, you know, that, that stopped by and said, here's what you need and moved on. That was it. So uh, all of those things I think is, is, is what keeps people back. Um, you know, it's that confidence, it's that belief, it's, um, 
you know, it's, it's getting the right ideas at the right time. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm very curious because you, you mentioned earlier that at one point you had 300 salespeople um, out there selling your seminars. What specifically were they doing? Were they going to were they going to companies and and trying to get to sell tickets? Were they um, selling to bring you into the company? How how did that all work? Yeah, we had uh, we had offices all over California, and we had twenty salespeople in each office. Um, in fact, Tony Robbins worked for me for about four or five years. Awesome. Well, I knew that he did a lot of work with Jim Rohn. Was that? Yeah, Jim. Well, yeah, that was the time Jim and I were business partners, and when he worked as a sales rep for Jim Rohn, he was really working for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> awesome. Very. Well, cool. He looked up to Jim as his mentor. Mm-hmm. And 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 then I was basically his 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 coach or trainer. Uh, wow, that's amazing! He worked under my direction, as everybody did in the company, basically, except for Jim Rohn. Um, but yeah, we they went out and sold tickets. We had three three different tickets that we sold. We had a sixty dollar ticket, which gave which was a three and a half hour event uh, pr- uh, presented by Jim Rohn in the evening. It went from seven thirty to eleven uh, at night, and um, so they sold these tickets, and then uh, after the event, they followed up with the tickets that they sold, and we sold a five hundred dollar home study course, and we sold a leadership retreat uh, for a thousand thousand and eighty dollars back then. So um, that was their job, um, mm. and yeah, it was it was it was a great time, and we went to real estate offices, sales companies, uh, sometimes big companies. We, we had big franchises putting all kinds of people through. We had, I think, General Dynamics one time put uh, like 1,500 people through our, our events. Uh, and we did keynotes and things after that. I, we, we started offering workshops based upon uh, some of Jim's material. And I started teaching those workshops. And then I later started doing keynotes and it just I started developing my own stuff. I don't I, even today, I don't use any of Jim Rohn's material, which I spent so many years with Jim uh, personally and, and you know, uh, just chatting with him or uh, listening to his seminars that I could probably do any one of them word for word. Mm. You know, but, but I never, never use his material at all. That's awesome. That's amazing. So in those years, because Tony talks about that time, you know, being a sales rep and uh, doing that. And he's had a big impact on, on my life. So I'm just curious, what, what was he like, uh, from your perspective as being someone who was managing him as a salesperson? Well, what I, what I realized right away is that, uh, Tony was determined. Hmm. And, and even back then when I hired him as I think 18 years old, um, and, you know, he was, he was rough around the edges. He'd never, never been out in public doing things like this, like selling or uh, dressing for success, which was really important back then. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I could see that he had this determination. And I remember recommending a book one time to him. And the next morning he came in, he had read the whole book that night and not only did he read it, but he absorbed it. He, He knew, he knew what it was about. I mean, the guy was brilliant basically. And so I'm not, in one way, I'm surprised that he's done what he's done, but another way I'm not, you know, I, I, back then I would never have thought that would happen. Uh, but, uh, but it did. And, and Tony, he's, he's a great salesperson. Yeah. Uh, he's a great influencer. He's, I don't look at Tony as a, as a, 
speaker or teacher, which I don't look at myself that way either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's all about influence. And Tony's influenced a lot of people from around the world, you know, up into yeah. the, I don't know, 50 million or I'm not even sure what, what the number is anymore. But, um, but in some ways I get to, I get to look at Tony and we still t- stay in touch. Uh, mm. I get to look at Tony as uh, that maybe I had a hand in that. So uh, always makes you feel good. Oh, that's really great. That's awesome. Well, Jim, this has been you know an absolute pleasure. You're you are so brilliant, and I'm so glad that we got to do this. Uh, before I ask my last question, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you do? Well, uh, two websites: uh, jimbritt.com. That's uh, J-I-M-B-R-I-T-T.com. Is my website, and uh, got a new program I just put up that uh, helps to change your your uh, relationship to money, it, mm. reprogramming your subconscious. It's a four month long program called Cracking the Rich Code. Mm. And, and it's at crackingtherichcode.com if you want to look it up. And there's, there's some great testimonies and things on there as well. But um, so those two areas. Well, my last question is, if you could go back and talk to yourself at the beginning of, of your entrepreneurial journey, wh- what advice would you give yourself? Well, I'd, I'd probably, uh, knowing what I know now and what happened to me in the early days, I'd probably go back and and um, and, and tell myself that that uh, to, to to discover people's pain before you started talking. That would be one thing: is to to really understand people and understand where they're coming from, and understand too what people are going uh, going through in their lives. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got problems of some kind uh, from the, you know, the president of the United States to the single mom on welfare someplace, you know, everybody's got issues that they deal with. And, and most of those are hidden for a lot of people. So um, I'd say, you know, learn to get inside people, learn to find out what people really need and what they really want and then supply it for them. And then Mike, my, uh, I'd say this is probably the most important thing that you can do uh, if you want to accomplish anything in your life, whatever area of your life you want to accomplish it in, is once you've decided what you want, I mean, a firm decision that nothing less than that will do in that area of your life, then become self-observant because every action you take from this point forward based on what you want to accomplish is going to move you toward that or away from it. Success at anything is that simple. If you just just be aware and observant of what you're doing and is it taking you where you want to go? And if it's not, let it go and move on. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Jim. This was absolutely amazing. Uh, truly appreciate you. My pleasure. Yeah, it's been uh, been been great uh, spending time with you. Well, thank you so much. All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening, for watching, and uh, we'll see you in the next interview. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you got something great out of it. And most importantly, I hope that you found something that you can apply into your life because nothing happens until you take action. If you enjoyed this episode and you're looking to take your business to the next level, then head over to 100kchecklist.com. That's the number 100, the letter K, and the word checklist.com to get the 100K checklist and the 100K training absolutely free. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This is Jake Ballantyne with Mountaintop Motivation, and I will see you at the top.